Welcome to Fintech Daydreaming, the podcast that dives into the world of banking technologies and the ever-changing landscape of fintech companies. We bring you real-life examples from global and local thought leaders, as well as experts working within the financial industry, and seek out the best stories from the front lines of financial services innovation, where dreams of industry pioneers meet reality. Hosted by Paul Krogdahl and Ville Sontu, this is Fintech Daydreaming. Hello and welcome to Fintech Daydreaming, the podcast that, that does it all it can to make financial technology and bad humor somehow mix. I'm also glad to announce that we've officially made it to 2021. Uh, and of course, I'm excited to leave uh, 2020 behind us. But also, uh, I'm super excited to see that we have been able to start season three of our podcast. My name is Ville Santo, and I'm, of course, joined today by my good friend and co-host, Paul Krugdahl. So, Paul, season three, how are you doing and how do you like it? I'm really excited, Villa, actually, to be really honest with you. I think season one and two were really good. We had that fantastic end uh, of season two just before Christmas with some nice Christmas beers and, and in our new studio. Unfortunately, today we can't be in our studio, but we're, we're working this quite agile and ad hoc, right? So I get to sit here in my home office looking out into the beautiful snow and boy, we have had an awful lot of snow for the last couple of days, right? Yeah, I, I guess we have to talk about the weather. It's somehow become a feature of the, of the beginning segments now. But yeah, so the amount of snow is incredible. I think we got like 30 or 40 centimeters or something uh, of snow. Uh, luckily, I have a garage, so I, I don't have to dig my car uh, out of the snow. But uh, yeah, I think uh, this is like proper winter, not something like we, like, like we had last year. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I, you know, I have a garage, but uh, we have two cars and uh, it took four hours to clear the driveway. <laughs> so, um, and it's not that big a driveway. I mean, you've been to the house, but uh, a yeah. lot of snow. All right. Good stuff. But what, what do you like about the, uh, the changes we have done for season three? Uh, uh, as you just uh, noticed, we have a new intro segment and we've kind of changed the st structure a little bit uh, of the beginning. Uh, but uh, so how do you like that, Paul, so far? I like it. I like it. I think it's... Um, dare I say, a little bit more professional, which is nice. We, okay. we improve each uh, season a little by little, and uh, I hope the, uh, the viewers and listeners really like it. I mean, we're now focusing more on uh, the video, the YouTube channel. So, um, no, it's good, and I really like that new uh, intro segment, right? The video yeah. was good. Yeah, me too. Makes it look like we actually know what we're doing here, so uh, it's, it's good. Uh, now, one of the things we, of course, are going to keep on doing is our listener joke. Uh, I mean, how could we actually change one of the more, more popular segments uh, of, the, of the show? So, Paul, uh, do we have a joke to kick off 2021? We do. We do. And, and okay. as always, it is a good but bad joke, right? So, um, making sure I get it right here. Uh, so, Villa, what do you get when you cross a banker with a fish? Tell me, I don't know. You get a loan shark. Oh, 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 God. So that uh, I, was sent in by uh, Peter Cohan. I hope I'm pronouncing your surname correctly here, Peter. Peter Cohan from Sydney in Australia. So it's wow. very cool. We've got listeners all over the world now, right? Wow, fantastic. Uh, and we love the jokes, uh, just a reminder. Uh, so the, the whole theme of the show is bad humor and fintech. So uh, I'm glad our listeners are helping us uh, keeping that tradition up, up and running. But 
on with the show uh, and our main topic of the day, because after all, we're here, here to talk about fintech and all the cool things happening in the financial services segment uh, uh, all around the world. And today I'm happy to introduce our guest, uh, who is Johan Hörmark, who is a business developer at one of the most influential financial institutions in the Nordic countries, and that is SEB. Now, I've had the privilege of sharing the stage with Johan uh, in many conferences where Nordic banks were asked to present our progress in blockchain-related topics. But uh, today we will, be, we will have the chance to look beyond, uh, quote-unquote, the blockchain uh, and perhaps have a chat about what is no more or less the fourth industrial revolution and what it means for financial services. Now, very grand uh, introduction there for the topic of today. Uh, looking forward to seeing how we unpack uh, this, uh, this kind of a setup. Now, welcome to the show, Johan. Uh, first time. Uh, how are you today? Yeah, thank you very much. I'm doing good. And finally, seeing some snow here in, in Stockholm, which actually makes, you know, the days slightly brighter at least. So, that, so that's uh, good as well. And of course, thank you very much for, for having me in, uh, in your great show here. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for coming. Uh, you're, you're officially the first guest of season three. So uh, you, no pressure. Uh, let's uh, try to make it I'm honored. a little bit interesting. Cool. So, uh, Johan, could you tell our listeners a bit more about you and, uh, and your work uh, at SAB? Absolutely, of course. So, yeah, so to start off with, I'm, I'm technologist by heart. So, so I love uh, new technology and I've been working with, with tech for, for over 20 years now. But I always try to keep, you know, the business focus in, in looking at new technologies. So, you know, constantly thinking about uh, the new emerging tech and how it could be used and to, you know, to deliver actual value into the business. So 10 years uh, ago, then when I started with SCB, the, the sort of the hot topic of, of the day was those middleware solutions, you know, decoupling the systems, making the architecture more, more uh, easy to, to change and, and adaptable. So that's where I sort of started my journey within SCB. And then we have seen a lot of new new tech flying by and, and being uh, first new and, you know, what should we do with it? Uh, how can we use it? And, and then finally, yeah, adapt it and in, integrate it into the daily business, like mobile solutions. They came and they are now mainstream. Social media is now they used. Um, not to forget cloud, SaaS, which, yeah, it was... It, that was a bit hard for the banking industry to adapt because of all the security reasons and, and compliance uh, matters. But I would say now we are adopting it fully. Uh, I would assume together with many other banks out there, or I know that we do it together with other banks. And then where we met Villa, of course, uh, the blockchain and the DLT world. Yeah. I've spent quite some time with, with this technology now for a few years. You could argue that it's taken a little bit longer than we initially expected for, for the industry to sort of adopt it. But we are seeing now, uh, you know, real live implementations that are, is in production. So that is, um, that is a milestone, I would say. Um, and also one more area that, that I currently work with more and more is, is uh, you know, partnerships and how do we utilize or how do we work together with partners to build new ecosystems? Uh, you know, making, if, if we and the partner 
together uh, one plus one should become uh, three then for our sort of common customers. So that's, that is a theme as well in my work nowadays. And then of course, the main topic of this show, uh, the industry for IoT, etc., which we'll come back to. I spent quite some time on that uh, the last four years, uh, I would say. Um, so yeah, that, that is um, a little uh, intro and background uh, of myself. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I was just kind of listing here the things you've been working on, and it's it's almost like exactly the type, uh, the list of things we have talked about on the podcast before. So starting from yeah. uh, from uh, the the kind of uh, customer centricity, uh, the the technology impact uh, of uh, uh, of this of new, uh, to towards customer experiences, cloud services, uh, the struggles uh, banks traditionally have had and still are having to a certain extent uh, on adapting to SaaS models and cloud services in general, uh, ecosystem building, uh, obviously uh, the blockchain, which is kind of a recurring, almost like a meme uh, in our podcast uh, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, and uh, yeah, I definitely agree that uh, one of the reasons why it's, uh, it's people still talk about it all the time is because it's taking so much uh, longer than everybody expected. Uh, now, of course, with the surge in, uh, in cryptocurrency prices as well, it's always uh, coming back uh, again, like a, like a phoenix bird uh, out, out of the ashes um, sometimes. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a really interesting discussion today, uh, provided uh, seeing that we're all three of us here uh, in the podcast uh, virtual studio today are technologists. And we are quite excited, of course, about the, the, uh, the opportunities uh, uh, kind of coming forward with digitalization of the society uh, at large. And uh, like, like you mentioned, uh, uh, SED has been very public uh, about their commitment to support the digitalization of uh, Nordic industrial manufacturing segment or the OEM, uh, original equipment manufacturing segment for a while now. And uh, for, ex for, for example, SED has been the only bank taking part uh, in the EU-driven productive 4.0 program that has over the past few years been researching how to integrate hardware and software of, uh, of the Internet of Things or IoT uh, among friends, uh, devices to the full value chain uh, and ecosystem of commerce. Now, the, the latest thing we heard uh, of this work was the work SED did with Ericsson and Stream Analyze uh, to make machine-to-machine -machine payments uh, on the edge, uh, wow, that's a buzzword, bingo, uh, a reality with uh, bank-grade uh, security. Uh, there's an article about this, uh, we will post that in the show notes, of course, but this is hugely uh, exciting exciting things. I mean, a bit futuristic, but I think, you know, solving the, uh, the edge equation uh, on payments and, and monetary transfer is is going to be one of the cornerstones of, uh, of uh, Industry 4 and uh, digitalization of the, uh, of the manufacturing segment for sure. So, Yuan, uh, SAB obviously has been quite publicly talking about these concepts uh, like Industry 4.0, uh, Bank 4.0, Edge Computing, Machine-to-Machine -machine Payments uh, for a while now. Now, what does this all mean and why do you think it's at all relevant for banks to be uh, part uh, of, of these uh, fancy new technology things? Yeah, so, absolutely. So, um, I mean, maybe not so unexpected, but but I believe it's super relevant, of course. Uh, and and I would say it's for many reasons. Uh, I, I would perhaps, you know, if I were to pick one, I think if you sort of uh, look beyond all the technology that that we see now, that that you also mentioned here with the machine to machine payments and. 
uh, sensors and and all that it, it's also I, I would say one of the key things for us is is the big shift in, in business models that we see in in many verticals today including the sort of industrial uh, vertical the manufacturing vertical and, and of course it's driven by by new innovations uh, for sure uh, it's also partly driven by by other factors you know the esg the the uh, environmental and social government res- uh, governance responsibilities and uh, there's also shift in the political landscape nowadays with more polarization between between the continents if you will uh, so so the the sort of the sharing and the circular economy uh, is a big trend uh, that is uh, you know it, it's interlinked with these new technologies that that we see and we believe that for companies to be able to transform they also need an array of of supporting financial services or and it could also be existing financial services that are uh, consumed in new ways uh, in more digital ways more automated ways mm. uh, i mean maybe perhaps to be a little bit more concrete on this one. So, so if you have, if you are a manufacturing of some equipment and you want to move into sort of a pay pay-per-use model uh, as opposed to just manufacturing and, and selling as you do today, uh, th- I think this is very easy to say and grasp on a high level. But when you actually think and start thinking of it, what it actually means that you need these trusted sensors that measure the time you are using the equipment. And both the sort of the the renter and the rentee, the one renting the equipment, uh, they need to uh, know that the measurements are correct, uh, that they are uh, being charged on a fair basis and not overcharged and and so on and so forth. Uh, And then on the back plane of that, when you have uh, the data that you trust, then, I mean, today, if you do some... uh, financing of an equipment you have a pretty linear depreciation uh, and amortization of that uh, financing but tomorrow would it be really interesting if we could also tailor the finance financing of the equipment onto the pay-per-use models and how do we do that what data do we need uh, to do that so i think that is yeah you know, to give it a little bit flavor on, on why I think it's relevant for, for the financial services industry to, to really be engaged in these conversations. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so, so to trying to summarize a little bit uh, what you said. So basically it's, it's about having secure data flows, including the, uh, the kind of pilot that you did uh, with the edge computing. So again, securing those endpoints and then using that for measuring the utilization of these assets to unlock kind of pay-per-use models. And the last thing you said was very interesting on the, uh, on the financing part. So having this kind of data-driven uh, financing. Uh, uh, the one thing that I, I'm, I'm gonna push you a little bit on this topic to kind of try to keep it concrete is the, is the, uh, uh, the machine-to-machine payments part. Uh, how does that play into uh, this, uh, this kind of uh, description of the, of the new ecosystem that you talked about? Yeah, so, so yeah, maybe it really didn't tie into sort of, sort of that specific example. But, mm. but on the other hand, a really big uh, 
trend and this is also actually part of this industry 4.0 uh, concept or, or if you will that that the industry is now moving towards full automation so that is uh, a very big trend i think actually the industry 4.0 the, the term that was coined by angela merkel some 10 years ago or her staff then mm-hmm. that that came up with it and that partly it was driven by making european industry competitive again and that is a key element of that is automation and there you could see machine to machine payments and all those uh, new uh, yeah technology driven financial services coming to play um yeah, so, so yeah. that is my perhaps answer to, to, to that, I would say. All right, all right. I, I think, so, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I think, I mean, th- there is a rapid increased growth of devices. There, there is going to be a plethora and growth of IoT devices, edge computing, uh, etc. And I, I, I sometimes sort of find it a bit hard to... Um, understand exactly where all of this is going from from uh, various different perspectives. I'm, I'm just wondering if you could sort of tie it all down into one exact problem. I mean, what, what do you see that you're trying to solve uh, moving forwards? Yeah, that, that is, uh, I, I would agree that that is not an easy one. I, I think I will, I will give you sort of two sides to this answer really. So on the, on the one hand side, uh, as we discussed, we have the, the automation. So by, uh, you know, we, we can help the customers increase their automation and efficiency yeah. if we sort of integrate the financial services directly into their, uh, into their core processes. Um, so, so I believe the uh, manufacturing industry, they can automate a lot without financial services, uh, our, our services from the financial services sector. Um, but to really take it one further step ahead, they could also integrate uh, the sort of the physical side of supply chains and the manufacturing onto the financial supply chain as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you could foresee that that sort of the, the treasury department is more or less directly integrated into the production and the supply chains. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course, you could argue that, that this doesn't happen overnight, um, but, but you take small steps. One, one important first step is to sort of collect and aggregate information so that you get a much better view of how your company is performing, uh, more or less in, in real time. And that, that is a big... Uh, gain that is an actual problem you have today as a treasurer you, you don't have the the complete uh, and and accurate view i would say yeah. of, of the performance uh, but um so on the other side uh, of this answer i would say is you know um maybe this is uh, slightly you know um, big but but did apple really know what the app store was going to go when they launched it over 10 years ago so i think it's also about providing tools that you know it it can be used in new ways that we don't really foresee here and today so so it's yeah it's it's imminent problems that we can work on and solve but it's also about uh some kind of opportunistic uh features that that we would like to launch to the market. 
I, so I really like that. To, yeah. 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 Sorry, Villa. So, so listening to what you're saying there, it's it sounds to me like the the core focus area or the core problem you're trying to solve is more in uh, the corporate space than in the retail space, right? From from SCB's banking perspective. Or would you say that, that is correct? Yeah. That, that is correct. That is uh, what, what's been sort of the main focus for us. Now we have, uh, as Villa mentioned here, we have, you know, the, the sort of the working name, which is Bank 4.0, alluding to the Industry 4.0 and also this EU research project that is called Productive 4.0. It's all 4.0 nowadays, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So sorry, Villa, I, I interrupted you, so. Yeah, I was about to say that I, I really like this uh, almost like atomic thinking. So basically building yeah. these cool, cool concepts and kind of having a very solid foundation of this kind of almost like building blocks. And then not trying to dictate that, you know, this is exactly the value proposition we're going to build and everybody's going to love it. It's more about having these enablers and seeing what comes out of it. I mean, it's really hard to predict the future. <laughs> Uh, in terms of at least making big guesses on, on how we're going to invest in this and that type of service and I hope that it will uh, kind of catch on. So I, I really like this uh, kind of having enablers like machine-to-machine -machine payments, uh, trusted sensors, uh, kind of securing the edge uh, in terms of, uh, of machine economy uh, and then seeing what comes out of it. Uh, I think this uh, orchestration of this monetary flows between uh, between machines and individuals and companies uh, is going to be the next kind of frontier for financial services, almost like this invisible layer on top of the uh, APIs, if you will. So yeah, I, I, I like this approach and uh, definitely respect the work that you've done uh, in this space so far. Well, it's, it's going to be really mm. interesting, right? I mean, like I said, there's growth of devices. We've got device democracy happening everything from like you said uh sensors etc on um large uh, factory machines but also down to you know variable devices that that people carry around with them not just the iphones you mentioned the iphone there a minute ago but you know everything down to to miniature iot devices in clothing etc etc and as this grows that we it gets larger, it's going to be more and more interesting to see where this goes, particularly from a banking perspective. So I think what, what SEB is doing is, is really interesting, really fascinating. Yeah, and then the, one more thing to add also is, is I think the, the collaboration here is also also key, right? Mm -hmm. so, you, so, so both both like within uh, the industry, our industry, uh, where we're setting standards and so forth, that will, uh, I think that would be beneficial for, for the corporates uh, and also collaborate then, then with the clients, of course, yeah. in various constellations and doing exploratory projects. That, that's, that's the way we move forward. Uh, uh, right now, uh, for sure. So, so SEB will not be building uh, IoT sensors anytime soon? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> but, but talking about you know, working with customers and those sort of things, one of the things that Villa and I like to do on, on the podcast is, is to try and bring everything down to, uh, to real life, right? So uh, talk, talk about experiences from the front line, I suppose you could say. And the best way of doing that is sometimes to talk about, you know, some war stories or interesting experiences that you've had. So in, in this journey, working with uh, Industry 4.0 IoT devices, do you maybe have a, a fun or interesting uh, story that you'd like to share with, with us and, and the listeners? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's you always have this uh, funny moment. 
uh, moments when you work with with new technology, don't you? So, so uh, yeah. So we were in this um, we were in this product uh, where the idea was to uh, track uh, movement of goods, some some large equipments that were about to be moved on on those uh, train uh, cargo wagons, and on the back plane of that, we we sort of yeah, we should utilize the data for for some financial uh, services. So so yeah, so we started off. We we decided to to run a test first, of course, as you always do, right? So we picked up those uh, GPS sensors, attached it to to some goods that were about to be transported, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so we could see the movement of of, of that goods uh, on on the rail tracks in real time on this Google map with with some. You know, it, it moved. Mm. So that, yeah, we, fe- we felt uh, safe and secure that this solution is this is going to work. This is looking great, right? And then uh, we had some 100 sensors uh, attaching it to 100 pieces of this uh, this equipment and put the put on the cargo wagons. And we were sort of excitingly looking at it and to get more uh, more data out from the sensors and into our solution. Mm. What happened? Nothing. No sensor data. Okay. So we started to investigate what was this and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, the first test, it was done on a cargo wagon with a wooden roof. Ooh. But the typical cargo wagons were with a metal roof yes. where no sensor signals would go through. So that is, um, yeah, <laughs> that is... You know, it, it, it's easy to say we're going to track goods and we're going to do some fancy financial services on, on top of that. But when you actually, you know, go into hands-on, hands uh, then, then you run into those uh, issues. So, so we still have some way to go, I, I think, before we have this, this uh, fancy IoT world that, that we are talking about and, and envisioning, right? So, yeah, so... so but we, we find uh, another solution at, at the end of, of this. So, so finally, we, we made it. But this is... Uh, Hopefully, you didn't have to drill holes to the, uh, to the roof. So. <laughs> it's amazing, no. actually, how such small things can have such big impacts, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. This uh, somehow reminds me of the story that I read that uh, now that people are uh, have, uh, kind of believing these conspiracy theories that 5G is causing uh, coronavirus, uh, they are buying Faraday cages uh, to block uh, any signals coming to their house. Uh, and the next thing they know is that uh, they're complaining that their cell phones don't work. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, it's uh, people uh, kind of combining new technologies with this, uh, this concept is sometimes uh, challenging for sure. Yeah. But very good, Johan. Thanks for that story. I think it gives a very interesting perspective on the practicality of deploying new technologies uh, and kind of coming, uh, understanding that we, we need to kind of really do the last mile as well if when we actually want to get this done, uh, these things done. Yeah. Now, uh, unfortunately, as always, uh, time flies when you're having fun and it's almost time to close yet another episode of FinTech Daydreaming of season three, episode one, no less. But uh, before we close, though, uh, it's time for our traditional end segment we call same, same, but different. Uh, And in this segment, we talk about topics that are a step or two removed uh, from the main topic uh, of the day. Now, while there's a lot of really interesting things going on in the world, uh, this time we decided that we need to talk about messaging privacy. Turns out this is a sensitive topic for uh, no other than Elon Musk uh, as well. 
and the headline goes from Business Insider this time, and uh, we could have picked any uh, any news source for this, but this time Business Insider says WhatsApp is forcing users to share personal data with Facebook, and Elon Musk is urging people to switch to Signal, uh, a smaller encrypted messaging app. Me and Paul, I mean, we've been using Signal for for a while now, uh, and uh, it's been really fun to see uh, so many of my contacts that you wouldn't usually expect to use Signal suddenly turning it on uh, during the last week or two. Now, for me, it always seemed uh, obvious that WhatsApp uh, data was uh, was being used by Facebook to harvest uh, more accurate data for their for uh, for their advertising business. But things seem to have progressed uh, over some kind of a tipping point now uh, with the latest update to their uh, terms and conditions. So what do you guys think? Do, do you use Signal? Uh, have you seen new people on Signal? And, uh, and what do you think about this, uh, this kind of a crowd movement now? Yuan. Yeah, so uh, I've also followed this with great interest, of course. And uh, yeah, so I'm probably going to switch now uh, based on, on this information. But I think... The, yeah, the bigger masses, if you will, they, they, I'm not sure that they will switch. And it's, as always, the, the network effect. So so you have to be where your friends are as well. So, yeah, a slow switch perhaps over to, to new medias. That, that is uh, my take on this fascinating yeah, story. Good point on the networks. I mean, you need to be where people are uh, and switching networks is always a challenge. Uh, what about you, Paul? I mean, we've been on Signal for a while. Uh, have you seen new friends joining? I've got to admit, just like you said, I've seen a, a rapid uptake of, of uh, new people coming onto Signal over the last week. Uh, but I also agree very much with, with the, the statement you made about the network effects. I mean, you, you use the the messaging tools that your friends and colleagues and network use, right? Um, and I think if, we, if we're really honest, that the whole discussion about uh, your privacy, et cetera, and what's being shared on WhatsApp has been an ongoing discussion for a much longer period of time, particularly once um, Facebook bought WhatsApp and you know, that, that whole debate kicked off. So I suppose it, it really comes down to, at the end of the day, how... Uh, willing you are to share the information that's being shared. I mean, the, the content of your messages are still not being read by WhatsApp. They're still encrypted, but it's it's how you're using the app, who you're talking to, et cetera, which is, which is being harvested. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I feel safer now using Signal, um, but it doesn't stop me using WhatsApp, but I will definitely be be switching to, to using Signal a lot more. And like you said, Villa, we've been, We've been using Signal for quite some time, right? Mm. And we should, of course, mention that other options are available, including, for example, Telegram, which has also picked up a lot of uh, a lot of new users uh, lately. But I, I think if there's one thing, good thing coming out of this, because I agree, I, I don't think many of my, for example, my family members will switch from WhatsApp uh, based on this news uh, and because of the network effects. It's so hard to migrate your groups and all of those things. So uh, many people will stay. But if there's one good thing coming out of this is I think it's, it's uh, increased awareness uh, on where the data is being used. I think most people will still be shocked uh, to know that, uh, for example, the Gmail data is being used for advertising purposes uh, on the metadata level, at least by Google, uh, which again, 
us working in this space, it's always been a, a bit of a kind of a known fact, but uh, most people don't really realize. And the, these types of conversations and news headlines always bring uh, a more light uh, into how the data is being processed and used by these giants. And that's always good. Conversation is always good. Should, should also mention that. Day, I mean, yep, at the end of the day, it's like, like they always say, if you're not paying for something, then you are the product, right? That's right. So that's right. Uh, it's been the same with Facebook. It's been the same with Facebook Messenger, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we're going to see new tools coming. And of course, they have to. Nothing really, if we're honest, in this world is for free. right? Yeah. So you need to think about it in that way. Perfect. The one thing that is free, of course, is our podcast, which you're enjoying right now. We guarantee we're not being, you're not being used as products by, by, uh, uh, by us uh, at, at, at this point in time. So, but awesome stuff, guys. Unfortunately, time is already up. Now, Yuan, uh, Paul, and I would like to give you a chance to let the listeners know uh, how can they find out uh, more about you and how, how do they get in touch? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm more than welcome to reach out and, and uh, touch base and discuss anything. And I think uh, LinkedIn would be the best way. Uh, that is. Um, I would say my main presence in in those social medias. Oh, so LinkedIn. Perfect. Yep. Thank you. And Thank thanks you. again for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for sharing some great experiences and insights uh, with us here today. But most importantly, thank you, our dear listeners, for hanging out with us for yet another episode uh, of FinTech Daydreaming. Now, do you have a fintech subject you would like Paul and I to cover in a future episode? Or maybe you have a great story to share and would like to join us as a guest like you did today. Or did you come up with a banking joke uh, or a non-joke that you think other listeners might love or love to hate? Do send us an email on hello at fintechdaydreaming.com or ping us on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube uh, or the anchor.fm page and get in touch. Now, Paul and I will be back in two weeks' time with another uh, great guest and see you all again then. This has been Fintech Daydream. <laughs>